0: You're listening to Peak Performance Through Medicine and Science, presented by the CU Sports Medicine and Performance Center in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas, and we are visiting today with physical therapist Aaron Castonguay. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And after saying that title, my mouth is totally warmed up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have a long title here.
0: (laughs) So Aaron, tell us about how you got interested in physical therapy.
1: Uh, well, that brings me back to high school. I was, um, I was a football athlete then and I got, well, I guess long story short, I rolled my ankle and uh, that's how I figured out that physical therapy was even a profession. I didn't really know. I knew as a, as an athlete that I wanted to do something active, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And then after being injured, I got to see the science of recovery and the science of rehab and it was just fascinating. So. I decided to get into it through Ithaca College, and um, I've been a physical therapist ever since.
0: Really? Mm -hmm. So it just kind of took a hold and you went after it?
1: Yeah, I was really inspired by my therapist that I was working with. He was just really, really knowledgeable. I'd worked with some MDs, and um, there's just a lot of different ways that you can heal the body, and as a physical therapist without using any pharmaceuticals and being able to teach someone how to reprogram their body was fascinating. But being so body aware, I thought it was really helpful.
0: Are there specific sports that you're more interested in working with, specific athlete types?
1: Uh, I think that's evolved over time. Um, Initially, especially as a kid, you're not really... I'm from the East Coast, Massachusetts originally, and we don't have a ton of adventure sports. I mean, there's skiing, but rock climbing is not a big thing. Even cycling is kind of an up-and-coming sport, at least where I was in in the west end of Massachusetts. But... I was more interested in football and uh track and what else um baseball, but now as as I've gotten more into the outdoor scene, skiing and cycling are pretty much my primary
0: gee in Boulder, I can't imagine <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> so when
0: did you make the the shift personally to go from something like football over to a more lifetime sport like cycling
1: um so in college, actually, instead of doing a study abroad, I did a semester with Knowles. It's the uh-huh. National Outdoor Leadership School. So I, I was always curious about hiking and backpacking, but uh, I just fully immersed myself in, in a I think it was a five-month program where I did backcountry skiing, backpacking, rock climbing, whitewater kayaking, and then instantly I was hooked. And football didn't seem so challenging anymore when you we're gargling water in rapids. So (laughs) it was definitely eye-opening, but also really inspiring at the same time.
0: So I've got to ask, what's it like as a football player Mm -hmm. when you take the pads off for the last time? I know Brett Favre got so much flack for not being able to retire or for retiring and coming back.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Part of me always, I mean, my heart just went out for the guy because that having that crowd cheering for you or booing for you just the energy of that I can't imagine anything that lives up to that
1: it's it really is such a I like to call it a gladiator sport because it's so start and stop it, with with a lot of other sports you can the action is drawn out over a long period of time with cycling especially I mean you when you make your attack or you you know you're you're in the Peloton. I don't know. It's 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 more drawn out where you can think about what you're going through the motions. In football, it's um, the play the action is only about five to eight seconds long per play. So you have to be immediate and then you stop. And so is the adrenaline and the reward. So it becomes addicting. Every time that you get that five second re- reward, um, you want it again. And so when you take the pads off, you you can't ever really put them back on because It's not a full-life sport. You can only do it until your body says, you're done. Wow. I've
0: always wanted to ask. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No worries. And again, that's just from a collegiate level. So I'm sure at the NFL level, it's much more extreme. And, you know, it's your life at that point. Brett Favre was 40 40 years old, maybe? I think so. Uh, And, I mean, that's your entire career and your entire life. So I can understand how giving it up would be really, really difficult.
0: And at what point did your body say, you're done? You almost sound like it was more your mind, though, when you found something else.
1: Yeah, I mean, getting into the health field while also trying all of these new sports, um, it just showed me that football is probably not super sustainable for longevity, I guess. That's where...
0: probably very smart
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so I want my knees when I'm 40, but we'll see what happens. <laughs>
0: Now, having worked with a number of athletes, do you specialize specifically in in sports medicine?
1: Yeah, um, specifically in orthopedic injuries, hips, knees, backs, and ankles. Um, I do a lot of return to sport with athletes and seeing them post-operatively. Thankfully at CU, we're able to work with the docs hand-in-hand with specific surgeries, require just little tweaks to the rehab, but they can go a long way if you know the small tweaks at the beginning of the phases. Um, and I really enjoy working with athletes, especially ones that have a strong desire to get back to their sport, because they're usually pretty motivated and stay within the guidelines of what they should do through their rehab.
0: How does rehab vary from athletes that are runners, cyclists, uh, people in something in contact like football? Mm-hmm. Um, I know rehab's got to be somewhat similar, but it also would have to be really different, wouldn't it, from sport to
1: sport? It is. It certainly is. Um, I guess the the core values are always the same. So what your the healing process doesn't change from person to person. It's more of the psychological aspect, I guess, of the athlete. Um, you definitely seem to have different personalities with different uh, sport types, but that's. That's more of the individual and not not so much on the medical basis, but more on the personality and psychological basis, I guess.
0: So, Aaron, this leads me to my next question, which is, I have a feeling that a lot of people look at a physical therapist almost as a personal trainer and don't do the rehab and exercises that you design for them and make a program for them unless they're with you. Is that true?
1: I would absolutely say that's true for the most part. Um, compliance is our, is our number one issue in physical therapy, and, and it's part of the therapist to drive home the importance of doing these exercises. Um, I think explaining the rationale to the patient is very large, but you also touched on a s- strong concept that people don't quite understand the differences between a personal trainer, athletic trainer, or physical therapist. Uh, there's many differences in education level and even scope of practice. Um, so the physical therapist has to go through grad school uh, to do these things, and they really understand the healing process better than most of the other, say, athletic trainer or even personal trainers. Um, so that's, but that's another topic in itself. Back to the compliance, the physical therapist, they need to make it simple but also precise, and that's where the art of the science comes into it, I'd say. Because, especially for the athlete, they want to know what they're doing is worth their time. Um, people don't want to waste their time, they want it to be beneficial. So if you keep it simple, but yet meaningful, I guess, then the athlete's more likely to do it. Uh, at the beginning of my career, I'd give way too much. I was just too excited, give people seven to eight exercises every time they came in. And Realistically, people barely have time to exercise in their daily life as is, especially if they don't do it at baseline. So if now you're trying to to ask them to exercise and you're giving them too many things to do, they get overwhelmed and don't do any of it. So to make it simple, you give three to four max and say really hone in on these and we'll work on specific things when you come in. So it's okay to only do a few on your own as long as the, it is done, because it is beneficial to do it on your own. Otherwise, not forming good habits leads to just sedentary lifestyle, I guess.
0: Do you often work with an athlete's coach or their trainer and say, look, this is what we're doing. You need to avoid this with the athlete. Mm-hmm. I really need you to focus on this. Or is that really more that person's job to do that?
1: Uh, it It is a lot on the patient's shoulders to do that but absolutely we always leave it open for communication. Um, the coach is busy and so is the physical therapist usually but there's been multiple times where I've spoken to them on the phone or I write a specific note if I really feel like it's, it's, um, it's necessary especially for young athletes. Uh, young athletes that are getting into weight training for the first time and coaches are trying to teach them how to do it. Sometimes it's overwhelming for the coach unless they have a piece of paper from the therapist saying avoid X, Y, and Z, but they're able to do this. It really helps clear things up rather than just having the young athlete try to explain something that they don't really know. Um, but then also when it comes to the higher levels, being on CU's campus, occasionally, especially with the lacrosse team, we have a really great um, relationship with the lacrosse coach doing ACL screenings with them every season. So he stops in every now and then specifically to ask about his athletes. And it's great because then he knows... This particular person during their strength training will go and do their rehab portion while they are on something. And then when it gets to the training and I guess cardio aspect, the athlete can then jump in and have no problem. So, really, it helps with team mechanics. And I guess the end message is the communication line is always open. We're, we're always open to doing that.
0: We're visiting with physical therapist Aaron Castingway at the CU Sports Med and Performance Center. Aaron, I wanna step back from that a little bit, ask you, how did you get into cycling?
1: So as a kid, I, uh, I would bike around town everywhere. That was my main, my main way to get around. I would leave around 11 and come back at six. Um, That's standard, I'm, come, I'm kind of from a mountain town where my mom would ring the bell and we'd come home for dinner, we could hear it from our bikes. But that was just, you know, that was just the, the recreational baseline. I really got into cycling in grad school. We had one summer off in PT school, and three of my friends and I decided that we wanted to uh, get into bike touring. So we did. We made our own um, route, and we went from Canada to Mexico on the 101 and 1 through Washington, Oregon, and California, and explored the entire coast, and it was beautiful and in- incredible experience.
0: So... Then, how did you end up here at the uh, CU Sports Med and Performance Center?
1: So, specifically here, I, uh, I moved out to Colorado about a year and a half ago from Massachusetts. Uh, I was working for Williams College at uh, one of their outpatient clinics um, called Sound Physical Therapy. It was an incredible place, and I was uh, doing a, a lot of training with cycling then for a tour ride out in Colorado, and I did that. The first thing, the first thing I did when I made, moved to Colorado was a bike trip from Durango to Denver for over a week. And it was, it was a great, immediate way to learn the state. Um,
0: and a great way to adapt to the altitude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, immediately. My lungs were not happy initially. <laughs> but then as I got into town, um, I had only heard whispers of Boulder Center for Sports Medicine's reputation. Um, and I had never met Andy Pruitt or even considered the fact that I would meet him. Uh, after moving out here though, I was working for the Boulder Country Club and still the, the rumors of Boulder Center for Sports Medicine were lingering around town. And I happened to stop by find, and they needed a physical therapist. And I was about two years out from school then, that's pretty young for this company. But I uh, hit it off with the management and ended up being hired about a month later. And since then, I've been more adapted into their bike program and currently training for uh, one of their medical bike fitters.
0: Can you tell us what that exactly entails? I mean, we hear bike fit a lot. What's Mm -hmm. medical bike fit?
1: So the difference with medical bike fit is usually someone who has some kind of injury. It can be any cyclist, recreational, uh, just the commuter or the professional competitive cyclist. And... It can range anywhere from numbness and tingling to back pain to shoulder pain to neck pain. And yes, even with neck pain, you can get insurance-covered bike fits. Only really here, there might be a place in Washington as well, but throughout the whole country, um, CU Sports Medicine is really unique in the way that we can be reimbursed through insurance companies through our research and positive results with medical bike fits. The actual process is not... Too different from a standard bike fit except that we have more of a medical background and we will not do just the bike itself so the bike needs to be appropriately fit there needs to be a proper saddle for every athlete um, or recreational person i definitely don't want to just single out the athletes here and the height at which your seat is and the bars are at and where your crank lengths are all of these specific measurements come into play when you're doing a repetitive motion over and over and over. Uh, It's it's the same concept as running. If someone has a poor running form or if they're trail running and they develop IT band syndrome in their knee or um, a back pain, it's usually from some kind of mechanics or whether their shoes are appropriate, which change the vectors through their hips and their knees. The same thing is true with cycling. And so we have a whole analysis and video analysis um, we use sensors for hip, knee angles, neck angles, shoulder angles, all of these things. Oh, and also um, knee tracking, which is one of the most important. Uh, all of this that we have on a computer-based system and with our eyes. So back to the basic with this, we first fit the bike and then we talk to the athlete and tell them how they could adjust themselves to help, uh, like say, their, their hip flexors are too tight and it's, increasing the curve in their low back. That's what's causing their back pain. We can adjust the bike to accommodate for some of that, but then also we help the athlete accommodate themselves to uh, decrease their pain.
0: I was going to say, I would think working with a physical therapist in conjunction with bike fit, you could actually give me some exercises to do that would relieve that pain while in that position.
1: Absolutely. That's, That's exactly correct. And it's uh, we currently have two therapists here who are working and we have some biomechan- or biomechanists who do the specific bike fit and the measurements um, with anybody. that's more of a cash-based system. but then we also have an MD, uh, Dr. Glowney, who works with us as well, um, who also gives medical bike fits. So we work hand in hand usually um, if we find a slightly complex situation. it's a real collaborative uh, atmosphere, I guess that we have here. so, it, it drives home the importance of health and balance for each athlete.
0: Now, you were actually involved with the cycling team out at the US Pro Challenge, correct?
1: I was, yeah. It was uh, called Cycling Academy. They're an Israeli-based team. They've only been together for about a year. Um, they're powered by Peter Sagan, so he helped raise them and, um, and fund their initial efforts. But since then, they've, they've become uh, quite a little reputable team. And this was the first time any of them had come to America. It was uh, it was a great experience both for me and all the athletes.
0: Can you go into detail? I mean, that yeah. just sounds incredibly exciting. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, I mean, how did they contact you? What? Right. You know, I so I was always interested in the Pro Challenge. Um, never really thought about working during it, but their Israeli really, uh, manager, Ron. He contacted one of our MDs, who is an Israeli-based doc, and he, um, he asked my manager because I needed a physical therapist. Again, they're a young team, so they don't have a, a medical core staff yet. Um, and if you jump to another country, you can't necessarily pay for a health professional to come with you. So they wanted somebody from Boulder Center for Sports Medicine at that time to go with them. And my manager thought that I'd be the best fit with my cycling background and general sports understanding. So I contacted their manager, and we uh, we met in Steamboat a couple of days before the race and <laughs> made everything work. It was, you know, the craziest experience was, it's, even though they're an Israeli-based team, does not mean that everyone on the team is Israeli. They had people from Czech, Spain, um, Poland. Man, where else were they from? It was... I mean, there was definitely some Israeli uh, bikers, probably three or four of them, but they were from all over Europe. How
0: do you overcome the language barrier?
1: Oh, that was a challenge. That was a serious challenge. The athletes, uh, not all of them spoke English. Uh, The main, so it was me and a massage therapist, we were the main medical staff, Uh, and, and Paolo, that was the massage therapist's name, he was Italian, and he almost exclusively spoke Italian. And, and I only have poor Spanish skills, good English and bad English, and that's where I draw the line. So him and I got really good at charades and using Google Translation. <laughs> Translating through the phone was was how we communicated. And him and I, were we weren't just medical staff, but when you go through... A, when you travel with a team like that, everyone does everything. The manager is helping with the bikes, they're helping with... Uh, getting the athletes to and from. I was the RV driver, uh, looking after any injuries, helping Apollo, describing what he should be doing um, manually to help with some of these athletes. And then he would describe to me what they typically do in terms of schedule. So it was a big give and take. Uh, Apollo and I also, we would make sandwiches and and do all the nutrition and hydration for, for every race. So that was one of our jobs. Besides just whole, all the medical aspects of things, if any athlete needed anything, we'd stop what we were doing, help the athlete, and then go back to prepping for the next day. Um, so it was a really collaborative but also uh, exhausting experience, I guess. Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the, the language barrier, again, it's, that was the biggest challenge, I think, for the entire team. The athletes, the athletes themselves, they didn't mind so much because they, they knew the, um, the progression of everything. The, the biggest challenge for them was the altitude of being in Colorado. So, it, But we, we all got over the language barrier. Everything went exceptionally smooth for the fact that the manager, thankfully, uh, the two managers spoke six or seven languages themselves so they could translate to everyone. To everybody. Yeah. And so during the pre-race speeches... Uh, he'd usually do it twice in two different languages, which was impressive in itself.
0: Now, yep. I mean, you seem like you really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Is there any chance you would have the opportunity to go back and do something like that?
1: I'm not exactly sure. It's, I, I know that we would work together again um, if they needed me. But as they're growing, they might find uh, a full-time therapist, which I think is great for them. Uh, if not, though, I'm more than happy to work with them in the future. Now that I have this experience, I could also work with another team. Um, but it's, that's not really my, my drive. I, I'm looking more for helping the athletes uh, both pre and post of the race, um, general fits for everybody, both competitive, and staying in the clinic. But getting out of the clinic and being hands-on on the field, is I mean, you can't replace that. It was an incredible experience.
0: Now, speaking of out on the field, mm. we are here right next to the football stadium. It's true. Almost part of the football stadium. I mean, we're that close. Mm-hmm. Do you work with the, the university athletes? So Obviously, the, the lacrosse team.
1: So the lacrosse team is a technically a club sport it for is. men. Yep. Okay. So the, the women's team is varsity, and all of the varsity athletes have their own medical staff. So they, for any injuries... Um, below surgery, they usually see their staff, uh, mainly because it's within, their locker room is directly next to it. It's personalized, it's right there. So it makes sense for the varsity athletes to see their people. But as soon as they graduate, or um, say they have uh, an ACL replacement where they need to see one of our docs, a lot of times they will come and see us. So instead of the varsity athletes, we see a lot of the club sports, a lot of the recreational athletes, and a lot of the general population at this clinic. So
0: Aaron, at what point Should an athlete, someone who's not an athlete, um, but is having some nagging pain, whatever, when should someone make the decision to come see a physical therapist?
1: Sooner the better is my basic answer. If you're not exactly sure what's going on, WebND or Google search just won't cut it. A lot of times people overanalyze and think that it's something worse than it usually is, or... I mean, the complete opposite, they, they think it's not that important when it actually might be a sub-fracture or something that's going to get worse over time and uh, continue to exercise on that's, it. That's a lot of times what we see is people will have an injury, they'll continue to exercise and that injury will go from something very, very basic to something now that requires crutches and being off, uh, again, like that stress fracture example I was just using, where you feel fine, but the only way to get better is to be on crutches in that situation. And then it's a whole psychological aspect. People become slightly depressed. I mean, you can't do the exercises you want to do or the live the lifestyle that you want to live. So I my basic answer is as soon as possible, when you think something, something is going on, it might just be a one visit where we say, you know, you're feeling pretty good. Here's a couple of recommendations. Go give that a try. Or we can refer out if it's necessary and then you know that it's it's always better to talk to a professional than to try to do it yourself through google search it only goes so far
0: and i don't want to put you on the spot here i know states vary in this but Mm -hmm. is a person able to just call a physical therapist or do they have to go through a physician
1: uh... no we have direct access in colorado most states in the country now have direct access They do. yeah so and uh... almost all insurance companies almost positive, even Medicaid, no, I'm sorry, Medicaid, you do need a referral, but most insurance companies have direct access where you can call. We schedule you right then, and you'll come in uh, a week or two after, usually.
0: Aaron Castingway, thank you very much for joining us. Thank
1: you very much for having me.
0: You've been listening to Peak Performance Through Medicine and Science, presented by the CU Sports Medicine and Performance Center in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas.